0: Greetings! Welcome to the Austin Kitchen Podcast. I'm David Garig, and uh, before we get started, just want to let you know that um, started a ten-week course this past Sunday that um, you can still get in on because the so it's ten uh, talks on practical um, practice tips and. Um, so it's a very successful first class, and this podcast has inspired it and so if you, you could still join in on it because you can do the listen to the recordings or participate live it's every Sunday for ten weeks uh, ten a m eastern Standard time and you can find out information on my website um, so the the subject today for this podcast is uh, the sort of the connection between um, your creativity on the one hand and your pain on the other. And we're gonna, I'm just going to speak with you about how those are uh, linked up and uh, to some degree inseparable from each other. And so uh, you could say your pain and your creativity are like reluctant friends or um, kind of arch enemies that are kind of locked in an I- internal uh, an eternal internal and eternal struggle against each other and kind of fated to to struggle with that they're the pair that um so first of all let's we'll talk about practice and uh pain for a few mi- few minutes and um so I'm no stranger to pain. Uh, In my uh, long history of uh, practicing, I I can tell you that it seems that there's always some affliction or another that I'm I'm dealing with. And I would say that by far, the vast um, percent of it uh, is it's not coming from like me acting rashly or um, negligently or uh, like not from me making uh, preventable mistakes. Okay? Uh, and this is partly the, the, the thrust of this podcast. It, it's just that affliction is, it's kind of an existential condition of life. and um, And it's certainly the premise of yoga that, Yoga—it's it, kind of starts from that—that that, uh, just the whole proposition of being a human being and having a body and a personality and um, and all the the psychic things that we we go through with our uh, desires and our fears and our anxieties and our uh, kind of projections into the past and future and uh, we can't stay in the present moment that. Um, and then also the fact that of constant change, that we're, we live in the midst of constant change, right? All material, human beings just resist that. We, like we wish so ardently that things could, that we could freeze time and keep things the same, especially uh, when they're good, right? So we, we're like kind of suffering beings, and then yoga also tells us that the main reason that we suffer—we have all those things that I just mentioned—but is the the failure to understand our spiritual dimension that we're and our our interconnectedness with all life. So we we get very invested in our individual bodies, our individual egos, and our and associate all of this temporary stuff with with self, but really we are we transcend who we are is the entirety of existence uh, as a kind of cosmic interconnected self right that everything in life is fully integrated and we're part of that in a, in a much greater way than than our body but we don't live that way we don't think that way we don't experience the world that way and so we suffer okay and so th- and yoga practice is specifically designed to at least lessen that suffering. So the fact that we come to the mat every day afflicted in some way or another with uh, some kind of mental anguish, physical ailment, uh, just is just a given. Okay, and so so that's one thing to just kind of square on that there's nothing unusual about that or like nothing wrong with you. And it's your response to your afflictions that count and that matter. So that's an amazing thing all of its own then, that practice itself is, um, I I think of it as an ancient healing system, like a natural medicine that that has come from uh, like almost aboriginal culture right? That, um, like, um, it, like that Hatha yoga is a branch of Ayurveda, like naturopathy is, uh, kind of the Western counterpart. And, um, and it's based on like that the, the body itself is the means of healing, um, sickness, not some, um, external prescriptions or remedies, like that it's, it's more of a, a, an internal process that you create your health through uh, your diet and through your, the way you live and through hatha yoga. And this is partly like a positive response, like that you, you have a discipline that brings you uh, preventative medicine so that you don't get sick, you don't get afflicted, but it also uh, addresses afflictions, like helps you um, meet your afflictions with more, more grace, more skill, more knowledge, and, and also can lessen and cut away unnecessary suffering. Um, and then it's also a way to ha- t- for you to bear your suffering and to endure or tolerate and accept and bring um, compassion to it, and also humor. And this is the, the Yoga Sutras. Uh, the Yoga texts uh, all back this up. And, and um, so, in the, the the section in the Yoga Sutras on um, on afflictions, the five root causes of pain called Kleshas, they list out those Kleshas and. They kind of go through uh, d- defining those, and and at the end of the section, they they conclude that to the 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 real observer, okay. When you really look inside yourself at kind of what is happening, there's this c- kind of constant affliction because of um, what they call is um, basically samskara, which means um, a a, a groove or a habit or a kind of conditioned response that we have um, that's resistant to constant change. And so, so that's all to say that this that coming with pain is natural to practice. And, um, but also having strategies for pain, for your pain, is also uh, necessary, it, even though those strategies will not necessarily take away all of your pain, and you don't necessarily want to get rid of all your pain. <laughs> and this is the the kind of crux of this um, podcast. Because your pain and your creativity are so um, linked up together, and I'm going to read you this um, line from a Kabir poem that's quite amazing, and because it's talking about desire. You see, and and so there's this need for a certain amount of restlessness, a certain amount of hunger, certain desire that 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 burns within you. Uh, to have a creative spark and to keep um, propelling you forward and uh, asking you, asking of yourself to grow or meeting the universe's demand that you grow, that you grow. So part of the idea of think that things constantly change and and don't stay the same. It, it's part of life for because basically complacency. To stay the same is to head into uh, ailment or affliction. So complacency is like the beginning of uh, unwellness and, and and sickness. And Kabir, just it's just such an amazing line, and he he just says it comes at the end of this poem and just says it straight out. Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty. Do you believe there's some place that will make the soul, your soul, less thirsty? In that great absence, you will find nothing. Okay, so in the absence of that thirst, that your desire, you'll find nothing. Okay, and so this is such an interesting, um, very deep reality that can help you so much in your, in your practice and beyond beyond your prayer rug, out into your life. If you think of your desire and the, the restlessness and the, the dissatisfaction that you have and the challenges you, that you come across as very positive thing and, and also very natural, it's interesting that, um, it's a little bit on the humorous side, but, uh, what I'm going to tell you next, but it's also very serious in a way. Um, in this, um, text, it's called Classical Samkhya. It's by, um, Gerald, Gerald James Larson. So it's, it's a book that goes into the philosophy that's behind the Yoga Sutras and, um, and it it has this it's it's a very the samkhya for one thing it means to enumerate so the philosophy like has um, a lot of categories so like it has the it's where the 25 categories of reality come from like purusha and prakriti are the 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 first two the spirit versus um, the matter and its premise is that all is suffering and that yoga's your answer to suffering and so it lists uh, the this um, the types of or the the, the the types of affliction and it really goes into detail and and so it says there's five varieties of ignorance which we've said there's these five kleshas and then there's 25 variety no excuse me 28 varieties of incapacity and there's Nine complacencies. Okay, and then it it goes on. to. There's even more of them. It's like these lists of, um, there's eight varieties of of obscurity and darkness and ten kinds of extreme, uh, excuse me, excuse me. There are eight eight varieties of obscurity and delusion and ten kinds of extreme delusion. So it wasn't enough that there's eight kinds of uh, delusion. There's, Ten kinds of extreme delusion. And then lastly, um, gloom and utter darkness are 18-fold. <laughs> and what's funny to me about it is, like, is the, the whole listing out in that it's very precise. There's 18 gloom and utter darkness, not 19 or 17, right? But also, it's amazing, the like we can be kind of... Uh, Affliction generating machines as human beings, and each one of us individually has our own our own ways that we we do it. We kind of go into darkness, and um, and in that there was the nine complacencies. So to me, you're there's this balance you're looking for that that we rarely get, and in practice and in Uh, in our endeavors in life, like the, so the creativity, see, and when I use the word creativity, I use it like the yoga vashishta, which is a little more broad than how we ordinarily think of the word, because creativity in the yoga vashishta, it's, it's almost, um, it's like the word karma. So it means work, basically, that that, uh, your work, and it, to me it means both it means just simply work like the work that you do for your job or the working on a relationship and then it also means creativity and that, that those two are one and the same so the work that you do on a relationship the work that you do out in the world whether it's a barista or an usher for the symphony or a symphony player, whatever it is, it's work and it's creativity. Okay, and so, and we're constantly trying to uh, find this balance or this uh, middle path. So it says in that uh, Kabir, it's saying, do you think there's a place that will make the soul less thirsty? In that great absence, you'll find nothing. And so there's a certain drive that we need and a, in order to like uh, go into the unknown and because that's where the creativity is. It's in um, understanding that things are constantly changing and that, that w- where we're at our best is when we're, we're risking and growing and um, probing where we haven't probed before in practice and in life. But this is where, when you probe into the unknown and you risk, especially when you've got a big thirst behind what you're doing, like trying to do a hard pose or, right, as a small example, you can get hurt. You can fail. You can fall down and bang your knee or whatever it is, right? That affliction can come by being too extreme. By And being like kind of too strung out with desire, right? And the, it's, a, it's amazing how in the Yoga Sutras, the desire is used as a very positive word. So it's called um, Ananda. And it's one of the ways that you create samadhi, or the eighth limb of um, like riveting your mind in the present moment is through bliss. Okay, and there's you're seeking that, following what lights your fire with passion, right? But at the same time, then um, desire or attachment to pleasure is called raga. It's one of the five um, ignorances, one of the five um, root causes of pain. So then suppose that you feel that you've probed, you've your desire to get a pose or to excel in your work is gone too far. It's, it's flipped over into raga, into uh, this deep attachment that causes you to act out, uh, to, to make your action unskillful. Uh, th- th- and then you back off. And it's very natural to back off of uh, action, or creativity, or work, when you meet with failure, and you get pain from your failure, we can become um, shell shocked and um, afraid to act, and and this is where those complacencies, the nine complacencies, come, where we all of a sudden become afraid of action, afraid to jump in, and we hold back, and so. Uh, I don't know what those nine complacencies specifically are in classical Samkhya, but I know my own list, and you want to know yours. Like, what are the ways that you kind of just uh, maintain the static status quo within yourself, where you're not um, probing into the unknown, you're not um, requiring yourself to grow, and um, and kind of pushing and, and, and um, listening or following the d- desires that you have. Because when you fall into this complacency, this is its own form of suffering. This is your own way of injuring yourself that's just as um, damaging or harmful to you as when you overdo and act too extremely or too rashly or, or with too much attachment. Right. So the, so you're constantly trying to find this balance in, in um, negotiating your desire and and associating that with your creativity. So it, it's a very um, physical thing in a way and that I want to talk to you about f- for a moment. Or let me put it this way. I find it very helpful to see your the, the pain on three levels. Okay, and there is a physical, uh, mental, or psychological, and spiritual, and in in reality they're all connected, right? That that pain can never be entirely physical or entirely spiritual, but but it's a very helpful model to to kind of um, observe, you see, and um, I would say that. Out of those three levels of pain, it seems we spend more time in the physical pain realm. It's a little bit of a generalization, but right that we when we when our shoulder hurts, our knee hurts, we have back pain, whatever it is, we're very concerned and we're also very uh, physically concerned and, and we don't. Necessarily, readily jump to a kind of mental or a, or a spiritual kind of depth with that pain that we and we would love it if we could just um, you know rotate our leg differently or right do some little different physical thing and then that's the end of it right and but what we find is that is not what happens see like we. We often get these mysterious pains and um pains that don't they're they're not very logical or they don't respond to logic very easily and and they can be recurring or um they can either kind of come up and then um, go away and then come back or they can just behave in quite willy-nilly, where it's, it's hard to pinpoint what the, what the cause is or even how to, um, to work with it. And so, to me, it's very helpful to kind of go to these deeper dimensions, even when you have a physical pain, is to, to, to try to understand it from a mental point of view and to try to understand it from a, a spiritual point of view and especially the types of pains that we get that are recurring or that we find really difficult to to drop and this is to me this is very tied to the to our creativity and but i'm going to talk to you on the physical level f- for just a little bit longer and, uh, about this and point you to this um this he, he died a few years back, but is, is a doctor named Dr. John Sarno, and he has books um, that I, I recommend. Um, and like one, I think his first one was Mind Over Back Pain. And so here he was, um, he was a very kind of um, almost ostracized and rebel um, MD in New York, had a long career in New York, because he, um, well, he basically observed that, Mo- he, he he went way out on a limb and and determined that most back pain, okay, not all, and but most back pain. He he. His scientific conclusion and his experience as a doctor told him that was not based on a structural damage, and he goes down the list of very. Um, Kind of structural back pain, common structural back pain problems, and just said that that was not the problem, and that and what he he called it TMS, what the problem was, and which um, is and it's basically tension, um, tension. It's kind of muscular tension is um, at the root of uh, root of it, and and it was very and the type of person that. So the people that would come to him, right, would it, it sound like a lot of us that do yoga. Like there's, the, he often called it like there would be a triggering thing. Like I was playing tennis and I went for a big move and womp, I, I felt this tweak, you know, and, or I was gardening and I bent over and there was this tweak. And we, uh, most of us have a yoga story like that, right? I was lunging into warrior two or I was coming up out of Janus and, Felt this twinge, or and then here I am incapacitated, right? And um, but he was, he was saying that that this is it's not like it's, he's radical, right? He's, he's saying it's not a um, a bulging disc necessarily or stenosis or these um, common diagnoses. That it's actually um, this deep seated tension. See, and he he really points out that it's it's not tension that you can relieve by um, relaxation techniques, by massage necessarily, or by um, yoga or acupuncture, because and this is what's so amazing to me about Dr. Sarno's work is that it's a deeper, deeper tension which has to do with your desire. That, and he talked about people that are driven and, um, and also people that are nervous or anxious um, were prone to this um, kind of presenting symptoms that seem like potential structural damage, but really is um, this deep-seated tension. And what's really curious about Sarno's work was that he, he's saying that the remedy is not is is not actually to relax, because, well, because it's too deep this tension, and it's too, um, kind of, part of the the your whole makeup, which, um, to me, lines up with the 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 type of desire that Kabir is talking about. So it's like a soul desire. It's like this thirst that you have for for meaning. And and it, it's like a, a very, very deep longing within us that's making up the tension of our life and that we have to address it at a very deep level. And so Sarno, as a doctor, his treatment, he, he did, uh, he, he had a course of treatment for his patients. And... There was like physical therapy as part of it, but he, for him, that was just to give the person confidence in their body. But his main treatment was t- simply to, uh, to know, okay? I, I, and I love that. So that it, it's like um, you just know that when you have these pains that come up just out of the blue or um, recurring or chronic, that it's, it's basically this very deep tension, and that and it's just that, and that very knowledge, if it penetrates through deeply to you to your consciousness, will relieve that uh, pain, will um, lessen it or remove it. And so uh, it's quite and and to me it's quite in keeping with with the yoga. And there's another Kabir poem I want to r- read to you that's kind of hinting at the the idea of this the deep longing see this is what we have to try to get in touch with w- w- when we practice and and to make sure that somehow we are honoring our deepest desires that 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 we're like fulfilling the our vision for what is a meaningful life uh for us okay and so in this poem it's like a little it's a girl uh speaking a woman and so she, she goes, I mean, it's Kabir writing it, but it's also, it's like from the perspective of a woman. So he goes, um, I played for 10 years with the girls my own age, and but now I'm suddenly in fear. And I'm on the way up some stairs. They are high. And yet, and yet... Okay, so I played for 10 years with the girl, girls my own age, but now I'm suddenly in fear. I am on the way up some stairs. They are high. And I, yet I have to give up my fears if I want to take part in this love. I have to give up my fears if I want to take part in this love. I have to let go of the protective clothes and meet him with the full length of my body. And him is like the friend or the self, the, the, mo, the God or the divine, the highest principle. So I have to let go of my, of the protective clothes and meet him with the whole length of my body. All of me has to get involved. Okay. My, and my eyes will have to be the love candles this time. So I'd have to let go of the protective clothes and meet him with the whole length of my body. My eyes will have to be the love candles this time. Kabir says, men and women in love will understand this poem. And then here it is. If what you feel for the Holy One is not desire, then what's the use of dressing with such care and spending so much time making your eyelids dark? Hmm. See, I love that poetic idea that... um, I, I just love that. If what you feel for the Holy One is not desire, see, and what he's saying is it is desire, that our deepest seated longing is desire. And we've got to um, have to give up our fears if we want to take part in this love and if we want to uh, lessen our suffering. See, this is so challenging, right? That to, and that I have to let go of the protective clothes. All these things, all these ki- things about me—that these complacent things, these things that are I hold on to so carefully about myself—and I become unwilling to take a chance to 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 go into the unknown and learn and grow and be a different, a new, a further uh, kind of expansions of self. I have to let go of the protective clothes and meet him with the full length of my body. Get all in. Ah, I love that. And then one more poem um, by Mira, um, who was a wonderful poetess and um, that was from a little girl. She felt she was married to Krishna, um, God. And so here she's talking to, to him. Actually, right to Krishna, just addressing him, like in, in a cry of anguish. She's saying, where did you go, Holy One, after you left my body? Yeah, where did you go, Holy One, after you left my body? Your flame jumped to the wick, and then you disappeared and left the lamp alone. Love that. Your, fl- your flame, so this kind of inner spark, fire for life, jump to the wick within me. And then you disappeared and left the lamp alone, this lamp of a body. Um, And then you put the boat into the surf and then walked inland, leaving the boat in the ocean of parting. Oh, and Mira says, tell me, when will you come to meet me? I love that. She's like honoring that longing, turning it into poetry. Ah okay and then last um this beautiful line from the Yoga Vashishta that I wanna share with you. And remember that really what I'm it's a interesting podcast, huh? And um and it's really talking about this connection between your pain, your longing, your your deep burning. And your creativity and how these two are fierce opponents that are also allies somehow. And, and so it says this from the Yoga Vashishtha, amazing text. Um, it says the power of creativity, okay, the power of creativity. And, and so remember, this is, has a triple application. It's the power to act. The, the power of creativity is the power to act, to take action in this moment it's work the power to work and it's the power to be creative so the power of creativity is always found through logic okay and by facing experience okay and that's the that's the first half of the line okay and i'm just going to speak to you about that before i give you the kicker all right because both of those statements are so important for, for practice and for going beyond the prayer rug. Okay. So this power to act, the power to, to create, to work is always found through logic. Okay. And this is so true of hatha yoga. Okay. It's very logical. And, and I, I, when I teach you, I'm training you to be logical, like the, the whole idea of yantra, right? That, That, that you're making geometrical shapes, and that it's based on math and logic and um, and you really are working in this um, as logically as possible. And, and it's funny to me that he, and that even John Sarno, Dr. Sarno, that his his way of approaching pain is very logical, even though on the surface it looks like a, a witch doctor or something like um, woo woo. But if you really... Um, Read his work and understand what he's saying. To him, he's, he's applying logic to um, the subject of pain, which is like it brings out such illogic in us, brings out so much emotion in us, and it and and makes it so hard to think logically, right? The, and we know it, how, how afraid we get around our pain and how when pain comes up, we think, oh, oh no. I'll never be able to do a forward bend. I'll never be able to do a back bend again, right? Even though the the, the pain, we, we, time and again, we, these pains come and go, come and go. And yet we, we kind of fall into um, kind of irrational responses to them. So the power to act, the power to work, the power of creativity is found through logic. So just becoming more of a scientist, right? So when you, your response to pain in your, whenever you have it, on the mat, in a relationship um, moment, in a work moment, in a social moment, is to try to understand, not judge. Pain's so fast, we're so fast to judge pain. But you're gonna be more logical. More scientific, more trying to understand that, um, that pain, and then also by I love that by facing experience. See, we can partly we get pain just like the um, the the very premise of yoga that we're, we're we're acting as though we are this individual body and this individual ego. And so, but really the, the reality is that we're greater than that, that we have a whole dimension of self that's well beyond the little body and mind that we are. And so, so we've got to learn to face experience like head on and like that's the, the spirit of that Kabir poem. I, I've got to meet him with the full length of my body. I've got to be right here all the way. Okay, and then then we find the power to act. We find the power of our creativity, and um, and then here's the 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 next line in the little thing, which goes: the speaker the speaker is heard, not the one who remains silent. (laughs) It's just that simple. The speaker is heard, not the one that remains silent. So, again, if you want to take part in this love, in this in creating this world and really being part of it, you've got, to, you've got to walk up those stairs even though they're high. You've got to keep pushing into the, the unknown because it's the person that speaks. that's the one that honors their desire and takes a chance and doesn't fall into the, the varying forms of complacency that that one is heard, whereas the one, not the one who remains silent, so we have to dance the dance and uh, listen carefully to our pain and, and, see, and through logic and through facing experience and, um, and then win the power to act, to work, and to be creative. All right, so there you have it. I um, hope you enjoy this subject as much as, as I do and I'm so happy to be able to Um, speak with you and share this with you. And so if you want to join in on the course, it's not too late. It's called um, Practical Practice Talks. You can find uh, information on my website. It's 10 talks on kind of practical practice tips. Um, And um, every Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can be there live um, or you can catch the recorded version. Okay, so all the best. Namaste.